This is Kendra Connor, worship leader at Christ Center Church, and you are listening to Christ Centered Cast. Luke chapter 5. We're going to be in Luke chapter 5 as we look at God's word today, beginning in verse 1. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake at Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out from them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word tonight, for the accounts, the stories, the real life things that happen, the things that we watch the disciples experience, the people that we watch, Lord, you interact with, and the way that you change people's lives forever just through a meeting. And I pray tonight as we look at your word and we look at this particular account that we would see ourselves in it, but more importantly, that we would truly see you in it and the way in which you interact with our lives and the difference that you make in our lives, Lord. We pray all this tonight in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So growing up in agricultural southwest Florida, I would have to say that my concept or idea of a gang was somewhat limited. In fact, I remember my first experience with the idea or concept, and it was in my sixth grade English class when we read a book, which at that point in my life, reading was kind of, eh, I like sports a lot more. I didn't hate reading, I didn't love it. We read a book and then watched a movie called The Outsiders, the book written by Essie Hinton, which was about an Oklahoma teen gang and the things that happened throughout the course of that story. Now, what was cool about it was that not only was it a book, but we also watched the movie in school, which was great, because you could do that then without any issue. And I remember very distinctly just loving the movie. And my friends actually really liked it too. And we thought that it would be really cool to be in a gang and even to start our own, again, with our limited Southwest Florida mindset for what a gang could be or would be. Really, what it ultimately amounted to was us playing football in my friend's yard and reenacting WWE wrestling events on his trampoline. And for us, at that age, that was what a gang was. A group of persons working together, doing things together. And whether you call it a group, a team, a conglomeration, an outfit, a collection, or a gang, 
It all speaks to several different things or people working together to accomplish a common task or goal. If anyone, though, was capable of doing everything all by himself, it was God the Son. And yet, he instead chose not to. He chose to enlist others to join him in what he was trying to accomplish and what he was trying to do. And our uh, background for this particular account is, it's, as we've talked about before, the theologies of the Gospels are structured as such. They're structured as theologies, not necessarily chronological narratives. Up to this point, as we've gone through Luke, as we experienced the birth of Christ, and we went on through to this point, everything was more or less in order time-wise. We don't exactly know where this particular account falls time-wise, and we're even told by the author, as we uh, read at the beginning, on one occasion. So we don't know exactly when this happened, but we know at some point, as Jesus had begun his public ministry, this particular story had occurred. And we see that on this one occasion, Jesus was teaching a bunch of people. And there were so many people there, and they were crowding him so closely, which I think if we think about it in our current climate, would just make us kind of go, ugh. I mean, they were all just kind of pushing in on each other and pushing in on him, so much so that Jesus was like, I need some space. So what he does is he was standing near this lake called Gennesaret. He sees two boats by the shore. They're sitting there by the shore, but there was no one in these boats. They were fishing boats, and they were empty because the, the guys who were fishing had been doing so all night, and now it was the end of their work day, and they were washing their nets so that they could go home. And we see that Jesus just seemingly walks up to one of these boats, and he gets into it. And he, he asked Simon to uh, go out into the lake. Now, when I was thinking about this, I, I have a friend who worked for a bread delivery company for many, 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 many years. He drove a delivery truck. And all I could think about was him being on a run and Jesus walking up to him while he's on his run and saying, hey, I'm going to need your truck. Can you drive me down the street while people are just crowding in around? Now, at this point, Jesus was fairly well known but yet not well-known personally. The disciples didn't even know him yet. So you can imagine, and try to imagine with me, if you will, you're on the clock, you're at work, you're trying to get a job done, and some celebrity who's pretty well-known, but you don't know him personally, or somebody, even Jesus himself, walks up to you and says, hey, I need you to do this for me. You know, it's toward the end of the day, I know you're tired, but just, you know, humor me. And that's what he does here with Simon. He says, hey, let's put it out into the boat and go out into the lake. And Peter, I mean, he had worked all night long. He was probably tired and wanted to go home and go to bed. But he recognized that there was something different about this guy. And he, he believed that this was, in fact, probably the Messiah. And we see later he refers to him as such, as master. So Simon does such. And as they go out into the lake, Jesus begins to teach from the boat. Uh, it's almost like he was in the middle of a sermon. He needed to get you know, a better perspective or angle out on the lake so he wasn't getting pushed into the water by the people anyway. And then he wraps up his teaching time out in the boat in the lake. And then immediately following the teaching time, he does something which seemingly kind of blew Simon's mind. He says, go ahead and uh, put the nets out. We're going to catch some fish. Now, Simon was a professional fisherman. Like He knew his stuff. He owned his own business, he and his brothers. So he knew what the best times were to fish in order to bring in the greatest haul. And we see even from the account that they had spent all night the night before fishing to no avail. They didn't catch anything. 
If you can imagine, that's like the worst day of work in the entire world. And the last thing, you when you wrap up a day of terrible work and it's the worst day of work in the entire world, the last thing you want to do is go do more work off the clock. But again, Simon recognizes there's something different going on here and he humors him. So he puts the nets out. And when he does, what he finds, it's interesting where even, Jesus is very specific about putting these nets down into the deep. Now, at that point in the day, the fish would actually be higher up, closer to the surface in the water to, to feed. They wouldn't be in the deep. So Simon's probably wrestling back and forth with this whole thing and going, wow, this sounds absolutely counterintuitive and contradictory to common fishing knowledge and, and experience, but okay, we'll do it. And he puts the nets down, and, and much to his surprise, fish seemingly start hopping into the nets, kind of like that old Sesame Street sketch where the fish, uh, Ernie calls him, he says, here, fishy, fishy, and they jump into the boat. I can just imagine there being all kinds of fish going into this net. We see so much so that the nets are breaking as they're trying to pull them all up. So Simon signals to his partner, telling us that they were a bit off. They were out in the lake, so they needed to signal. It, could, it was even too far for him seemingly to yell. So he's probably waving and not trying not to fall out of the boat as the fish are jumping into the nets and coming in. And they go out to help them bring in multiple nets. Filled, in fact, both of the boats. That was a lot of fishy fishies jumping in to fill both boats. And the response to this, Simon has gone through this whole thing in his mind. He's been up all night. His boat has been, you know, commandeered, but by Jesus, so it's okay. And he's been taken out into the lake to do more work off the clock, but recognizing there's something else going on here. And then his, con his suspicions are confirmed. He knows then for a fact that he's dealing with the Messiah. He's dealing with Jesus Christ. His response to seeing these boats filled with fish was awe, shock, surprise. You can imagine, we see even astonishment, amazement. And his response to witnessing all of this happen was that he fell down at Jesus' knees in the boat. So again, put yourself there. Think about this. You're the, just pretend you're a spectator in the boat with Jesus and Simon. And Simon sees this and he just throws himself down toward Jesus' knees in the midst of all of these fish in these nets filling these boats. Because there's no other response in his mind that he can do at this moment. Because of his amazement. And even more so, not only does he fall down in an, in an act of uh, worship and contrition before the Lord at his knees, he also says these words, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. When faced with God, his immediate, initial response is to recognize his own sinfulness. To recognize his own unworthiness. To recognize that he is in the presence of deity. He confesses his sinfulness. And says, depart from me. I, I can't even be in your presence. You're so great. Jesus' response, though, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. So we see this particular account. We see that not only was Peter's response one of astonishment and amazement and really worship in a way and confession and contrition before the Lord, 
But we see also that there were still uh, lots of people around. And we know that there was more people around than just the guys fishing because they're named by name after it talks about those who were there. It says, for all who were with him were astonished. So there's probably lots of the crowd still around watching all of this happen and take place. But specifically also James and John, who we know later on join Jesus' gang. But this, the focus of the emphasis on this particular account is on Simon. And I think it's really fascinating that as Luke writes this account, he refers to him as Simon throughout this account with one exception. The one exception is in verse 8 when he refers to him specifically as Simon Peter. And it's in the context of that recognition of him being before the Lord and recognizing that Jesus was, in fact, and is, in fact, deity. He is God. So after Jesus tells him, he gives him a new mission, a new purpose in life. He says, don't be afraid. It's okay. I have something for you to do that's even more important than catching all of these fish and providing for your family and providing for the area. He says, you, in fact, now are going to go fish for people. And we don't find out any other details after that, other than that when they had brought the boats in that were full of all of the fish, that they immediately leave everything and follow him. They seemingly give up their business or turn it over to someone else to take care of while they're gone. They seemingly leave their families to some extent to go travel and go around with Jesus to accomplish the purposes that Jesus has and what he's there for. He could have done it all alone, but he didn't want to. Because God doesn't want to do everything all alone. He wants a relationship with us, and he wants us involved in the process of doing what it is that he wants to accomplish. So we look at this particular account, and we see all of these things, and there were some things that could have taken place that could have gotten in the way of this, the progress of this story, if any different choices were made, and sometimes get in the way in our own lives when Jesus calls us to join him in fishing for people. And we see one of the things, as we reflect on the text, one of the things that can get in the way of us going with Jesus to fish for people is that we can forget that a call by Jesus is a call by God himself. Peter recognized this. We can, in our faith, go, go through so many years of hearing stories and accounts just like this over and over again that we can just kind of go, hmm. We just go, yeah, I've heard it all before. We just go, yeah, that, that's what Jesus is doing there. But I got these other things going on in my life that I got to deal with. I've got this other fishing that I need to do. And we forget that when we hear the call of Jesus Christ, to go fish for people. Through passages like this, through passages like the Great Commission, through passages like the White Fields, through all those passages, that we're not just being called to do these things by Jesus in the stories. We're being called by God Himself to join Him in mission and in what He has for us to do. We forget that Jesus is God sometimes, I think. And we relegate him to the seeming human here in the stories that we read, rather than 
remembering that Jesus Christ is God the Son, the second person of the Trinity, deity in human flesh. Simon didn't forget that that day. He was faced with it. He was faced with it. And his response was one of contrition. It was one of repentance. It was recognizing that the holy, perfect God of the universe, who is the creator of all and who is over and above all and everything, still wants to have something to do with all of us when we are all terrible by comparison. And yet, he says, I want to know you. I have things that I want you to do that give your life significance and meaning and value over and above what you're doing in your day-to-day life. I want you to fish for people. We can forget that a call by Jesus is a call by God himself. We can also forget that we're called to do more than just fish. We may do the Christian things that we do, whether that's go to church or go to Bible study or go to prayer or work in children's ministries or do all of these things that are associated with the Christian life. And we can get so caught up and wrapped up in just fishing for fishing's sake that we lose that deliberateness that comes from fishing with a purpose. Fishing for people. It not being the execution of a program or just getting through our week and crossing and checking off the tasks that we have that we do for God. And sometimes we can get so caught up in those things that we forget that the greatest thing that God wants us to do is to introduce other people to Him. Not just by task or job or execution of a particular uh, thing that we need to get done, but by literally taking this person or these people to meet God through the pages of Scripture, through the testimony of our lives, through an encounter in prayer, taking people who who had not met the Savior before and introducing them to Him. The Christian life is about more than just fishing for fishing's sake. It's intentional fishing with people in mind. But we can forget that as we go about our weekly Christian responsibilities and things that we've just always done for years and years and years, forever and ever. Amen. These guys were fishing, but Jesus changed what they fished for and how they did it. We can forget that a call by Jesus is a call by God himself. We can forget that we're called to do more than just fish for fish's sake. We can also forget the call to follow is something that's to be obeyed instantly and completely. Because we see that reflected here, both in this particular passage and in others. Where Jesus speaks to someone, calls them to follow him, and they go immediately. They don't check their day planners. They don't look in their phone at their calendars to see if they can squeeze them in. They don't try to see if they can make things work or move things around. They immediately and instantly say, God, wherever you want me to go, I will. Whoever you want me to talk to, I will. It's this idea that we like to compartmentalize and schedule God into our lives to fit him in with everything else, rather than realizing that he is ultimately our calendar. 
and everything else should be fitting around him. And I think sometimes that's why we lose this um, appreciation and understanding for the importance of fishing for people. Because we simply busy ourselves so much that in our own minds, we just don't have the time to do it. When in fact, that's the most important thing and really the only thing that we should be doing. Everything else should be optional. But for Simon and the brothers and the disciples that he would call later, they left everything and followed him. We forget that Jesus is God. We forget how sinful we are. We forget that fishing is about more than just going out into a boat. It's about actually catching something. And we forget that when we're called to do this fishing, that we're to instantly obey and follow, leaving the things behind that God wants us to leave behind in doing so. So how do we resolve this conflict? What can we learn from the example that we see in this particular story and account? Well, much like Simon, Simon Peter in verse 8, we need to recognize our own sinfulness before a holy God. We take God for granted so often in the choices that we make, in the way that we live, in our priorities, in our schedules, in our relationships. We forget that God is holy. And before we can do anything else regarding fishing for men, or really before we do anything else at all in the Christian life, it's time to check our sinfulness. To recognize that we are always in the presence of a holy God who is perfect. And wants us to be holy as well. Set apart, sanctified for him. So like Simon Peter here, the first thing we must do is recognize our own sinfulness before God. And then as we think about our daily lives and our schedules and our priorities and things, as we continue to have this idea and this, this really understand what it means to be sinful before holy God, as we're doing that, then we begin to open our eyes and start fishing for folks. Not just fishing to fish, not just fishing to punch a clock, not just fishing because that's what we've been told that we always needed to do, so we're just doing what we've always been told we needed to do, but really thinking about the fish, getting to know the fish. Because in reality, fishermen will tell you that when you're thinking in terms of fishing, different kinds of fish require different kinds of lures and different kinds of baits and are caught in different depths in the water at different times of the day in different areas. So there is an understanding that needs to come with fishing. And when we talk to people, sharing the gospel and sharing Jesus Christ is really about getting to know people. It's about understanding their needs and their motivations and their desires and their experience and past with church, if there is that. And really getting to know them as people and understanding them and caring about them. Caring enough about fishing to get some information about it. And to invest in it. 
It's time when we talk about evangelism, when we talk about reaching people, we begin to visualize the people in our lives that we know need Jesus Christ and about investing in those relationships and understanding what their wants, needs, and concerns are and sharing with them the one who can meet all of their needs. Maybe we won't give them all of their wants. Well, we know for a fact you won't get all, everything you want. But God never fails to give us everything that we need. We need to recognize our sinfulness before holy God and open our eyes to deliberately and intentionally start fishing for folks. And then, finally, we have to realize that Jesus is calling us to do this and to obey instantly and completely. This isn't recreational fishing on the weekends to get out of the house and away from everyone. This is day-in, day-out fishing. Occupationally, in a way. We're called to obey instantly and completely. Not just to try to fit Jesus into our schedule. But to have it be what we do. So as we look at the text and we see some of the things that could have gotten in the way of, of them going and being called and, and responding to that call, and we see some of the solutions and the choices that we need to make in order to obey God and to know who God is and who Jesus Christ is, there are, of course, some implications for responding and obeying or not obeying. And the reality is this. Had this account gone differently, we have to think about how what could have happened. And what it could be like if we choose not to obey God's call instantly to go to fish for people. And this is what can happen. If we choose not to fish for people, the reality is they end up going from the lake of life into the lake of fire. They switch lakes. Lake of fire is mentioned four times in Revelation as a place of burning for eternity. Hell. And if we choose not to fish for people in the lake of life, they end up going to another lake. And I think sometimes we forget about that in our faith and in the context of church because hell is not a, a popular topic to preach upon today. But it's a reality. It's in Scripture. And Jesus talked about it more than just about anything else. If we don't fish for people, they end up going from one lake to the other. They go from the lake that we call life to the lake that we know is the lake of fire. By contrast, though, if we choose to obey as we're called to obey, and we do so instantly, and we, we gain knowledge about the people that God is calling us to fish for, and we get to know them as people and understand where they're coming from, and we're used by God to reach them with the gospel, it ultimately changes both their lives for eternity, in our lives so that our concerns shift to things of eternal value. So all of those things that your life is you're preoccupied by and, and consumed by and that are uh, things that are taking up all of your time and your schedule now, all of those things that won't matter when we're gone from this earth, that shifts and changes to doing things and making decisions and using your time and your relationships and things for eternal value. 
Because then people don't go from the lake of life to the lake of fire. They go to the river of life instead. So as we look at this story in this account, and we look at Simon's interaction with Jesus, who calls him to be a fisher of people, we're left with one question. Will you answer Jesus' call to go fishing with him? You're in the boat. He's out there in the lake with you. The lake of life. And he says, let's go fishing for people. Will you answer that call? Will you make that commitment to go fishing with Jesus tonight? Bow your heads and close your eyes with me, please. Put yourself out there in the boat with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, will you go fishing with me? Will you give your life to following me and to reaching others for me and bringing others to me? Make that commitment tonight and today in the quietness of your heart. And as you're doing so, specifically ask him, say, Jesus, who do you want me to fish for? Who specifically do you want me to talk to about you? And don't just ask God that tonight. Ask God that every day. God, who do you want me to fish for today? And not only make that commitment today, to regularly ask the Lord who he wants you to fish for, but also regularly commit to praying for that person or those people, for their salvation. And that God would give you organic opportunities to share your faith with them and share the gospel with them. To share about the greatest fishermen of all. Make those commitments tonight. Now. Father God, thank you so much for being a holy God who works with sinful people. You call us to be holy ourselves. And you give us a way to do so through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that we would remember your holiness and the holiness of the Son of God and in that we would confess our own sinfulness before you and recognize the call that you've placed upon our lives to fish for people. We know that you're still calling people to go fishing with you. To join your gang. And I pray that we would answer that call today. As a church. And as individual people. In each of our lives. And it's in your son our Lord and Savior tonight. Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. God blesses you go forth to reach, teach, and fish for others. In the name of Jesus Christ. God bless. Thank you for listening. Check back next week for the continuation of Knee Evangelism. God bless.